You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to Last Mountain Swire Football Podcast Edition Week 14 Recap. Whew. Regular season in the books jeremy Moss, you're hanging out going solo whenever you're listening to this it's out a bit later sunday night than normal so apologies for those who want it maybe on their ride back from uh the holiday weekend thanksgiving uh good buddy matt kernel is making his own way back he was uh out of town for the weekend so he's uh i assume driving as we speak or something heading back home toward the fresno area but you got me today so you can either keep going because hey I like this guy. He does a good job. He makes me laugh a little bit or chuckle. Or eh, just him. I'm turning it off and deleting it right now. Well, whatever you decide, cool. If you stop right away, hey, download it. We got it. We got the number. We appreciate that. If you keep listening, awesome. Week 14 is a bit interesting. Oh, maybe I should tell you who we are. MWR.com. If you stumbled across this podcast wondering about, hey, heard Boise State's pretty good in the Mountain West. Hey, Air Force is ranked now. Congrats to the Falcons. San Diego State um, shut down BYU with uh, a great defensive effort. Or whatever reason you want to hear hear what we're about, you see us spouting off on Twitter at MWC Wire. That's who we are. If you like it, give us a review, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find your podcast. Maybe let some friends know about it. So this week, a bit different week because it's week 14, end, end of the regular season. To be honest, there was literally nothing on blind for any team. Well, I won't say literally nothing, but we had coaches who were no longer be coaching after this week. We had every team bowl eligible in the books, I guess the one thing that was helpful was Utah State getting the win to get to seven wins because currently, as we speak, I believe there's one extra bowl-eligible team. And if you're sitting at six wins, you could be passed over for a seven-win team. So with every team having seven wins, um, go ahead and check. That's uh, that's basically saying we're all going to bowl spots. I did our recent uh, bowl projections. I did make one um, kind of an oversight. Somebody noted on Twitter, I had the Nevada Wolfpack in the Arizona Bowl again. Um, seems unlikely they'd want the same team back. So that might get some, sh- I'll, that'll get changed. I, I don't think that'll happen. I was just make, put it together. I'm like, Oh, they're at the, to be honest, they're at the bottom of the conference of the seven win teams. So I put them down there, uh, cause Arizona Bulls typically the lowest rated team. So we'll probably have to switch that up. We'll have our final projections Saturday night. Once we uh, know, cause there's no late night Hawaii football, unfortunately. And we'll get all this later when we do our previews throughout the week. But with the championship game on Saturday afternoon, ESPN, or ESPN2, one of the ESPN channels, we'll get that sorted out next week. I'm just off the cuff here. But the uh, point is we'll have, if you want those bowl, or updated bowl projections, we'll have those. Yeah, ESPN, that's right, for Eastern to Pacific out there in the blue turf. Turf, excuse me. But we'll have those updated Sunday night, probably after um, probably after that game, because we'll get to it later again. Not much on the line, so I'm going to project a little bit going forward. Um, and we are going to talk about Cincy, Memphis, and all that type of stuff because that's going to be huge next week. We'll probably have them after. We'll probably have them after the Boise game, just because Memphis and Cincinnati are in the title game. They play about half an hour before. And what we're looking at right now, and this will lead into the Boise State game here in a moment. With them playing on Black Friday, you had Cincy beating 
or excuse me, Memphis being Cincy. So Memphis hosts again. They're a 10-point favorite right now leading to the American title game. Basically, if Memphis wins, they're going in because they're already ranked above Boise State, and they will be ranked above Boise in the latest college football playoff rankings released Tuesday. Cincinnati will be behind Boise State. If Boise wins and Cincy wins, win, I was really, really confident saying a one-loss Boise team would get in, but we'll see because it's depending how far Cincy drops. It's uh, it's kind of the gap I mentioned. Me and Rogers talk about it too, but the gap right there could be an issue, but... We'll see. It depends. I don't know if they'll beat Memphis because since he struggled, a couple close games like ECU, UCF, Temple, all close games. Tulsa was fairly close, and so if since he does does get a victory, I'm still probably 60-40 Boise will get it. But with it being a win over ranked team and Boise beats a Hawaii team who does have nine wins not ranked, may not look as good in the resume's eyes. So we'll keep an eye on that this week. But leading the Boise State game. They did have something to play for. Two things. Undefeated in league play, which they've never done. They are now 8-0 in Mountain West Conference play. First time they've ever done that. Ever. Which is a pretty good, pretty good accomplishment. And also, hey, if they are uh, going to go to the Cotton Bowl, this is what they had to do. They had to get the win. So the win was 31-24. The big news, Jalen Henderson got the start. Again, a third straight start. Third straight victory for the senior quarterback. Did quite well. A couple TDs, no picks. Uh, 253, over 60% of his completion rate. And watching, watching the game, like the Rams were in it throughout. It was not a blowout. It was another close, close, low scoring game in this matchup. It was only seven point difference in this one. And so that was uh, an issue. Not an issue, but hey, it's something to look, look at when it's uh, a close one. So with those close losses for CSU, they maybe got a little bit better season than people uh, thought. Because at this moment, and we are doing, I'll give the exact time, 7.12 p.m. Mountain Time, Mike Bobo is still the head coach of CSU. That may not be the case. Football Scoop had a report out there that unless something drastically changes, which and this is after the game, he's going to be gone, which it's going to be huge. Five and a half million buyout. The buyout does change. I, it dropped to $3 million. I thought it ended December 1, which, okay, they'll fire him, which is today, December 1 or December 2. No, it's actually December 31 when the buyout drops, so there's no way they're keeping him that long, dangling out there. So that's a possibility if they're not being back uh, going 4-8. and eight. But for the game itself, like Jalen Henderson, huge game. And with the way Coach Harson is uh, keeping it close to the vest with uh, who's going to start or who hasn't started playing at quarterback – there was a thing in Athletic, I believe Dave Southorn, like, oh, maybe Henderson is QB1. But with them being the coaches I speaking of, so close to the vest, not going to give out any info, I don't know who's going to start versus Hawaii. Um, it seems like Henderson, Henderson did play versus Hawaii last time, which we'll get into later. He played in garbage time. Henderson does look better in the court, in my opinion, from what I've seen out there. Court scrambles a bit, didn't get to win versus BYU. Um, but you got to think Bakamars that hasn't played in a while, and so... It seems to be fine, and they and here's the thing: they probably can beat Hawaii with whoever is a quarterback. Sorry, Hawaii. It's a two touchdown dog for a reason at the moment, but I don't think it's an issue. But if say they go to, say they do go to the Cotton Bowl, and the Cincinnati wins and Boise's up high enough and they get a Cotton Bowl bid, and they could play uh, a couple teams. They could, there's a potential. Don't need to go through every version of it, but they could play. There's a chance Utah could go there if they don't win the Pac-12. Uh, Wisconsin go. Uh, Maybe a Wisconsin team can go there um, if it's a uh, if they don't win the because they they just wanted to pack Big Ten title game. Maybe Wisconsin goes there. Maybe it's going to be some at large. It's going to be like the one at large team who's ranked. So we still got to like you say. Oh, one game left. There's still a lot of football left when you think about who could be positioned to where in ranking wise. But if your boy State, do you want him going up against um, 
because here's how it kind of shake out. LSU most likely playoff no matter what. That puts Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Um, probably if Oklahoma doesn't make the playoff, they go to the Sugar Bowl or they go to the playoff. Utah, Rose playoff, maybe even Cotton somehow if that goes down there. You could see a Florida in the Cotton Bowl. Maybe Baylor. Um, I don't think Alabama's getting in there. I'm not going to stick four SEC teams in the playoffs, but Wisconsin's going to move up a bit, so maybe they get in after beating uh, – they beat this weekend uh, Minnesota. So, yeah, cause I guess, sorry, I'm looking at the new polls now. They're already changed. So that's why we got, like I said, Air Force ranked, Boise State ranked in there. Again, obviously, Boise went up one to 19. Um, but the point being, um, there's a – would you want to – if they go to the Cotton Bowl, play like a pretty good team, better than they play in the Fiesta – in the uh, excuse me, not Fiesta, Vegas Bowl, where – could be a Cal team. Like, come on, that's uh, not not great. It's also going to be an indictment on the freaking Orange Bowl, which will probably have an unranked Virginia team going there, assuming they lose to uh, Clemson, who were 28-point favorite in that title game there. It'd be like, come on, we've got to do some of these bowl games, open things up a little bit. Not saying Boise would deserve over Virginia or American, whatever, since the Orange Bowl, but you could put, like, a Penn State there or a Notre Dame. I mean, something like that. Like, it's uh, it's beyond ridiculous how, how that turns out and go, could be. But... Point being, you want the best QB to play. Henderson's playing really good and leading the team. And we got our awards going out too. So I know this on Twitter at our MWCUR. We put out, maybe I'll make it a pin tweet where you can fill out all conference type awards. It's like, for me, I'm going to vote for Coach Harson. I'll say it now. I was leaning maybe toward Troy Calhoun, 10 and 2, nice bounce back here. I was even looking at Brent Brent over at San Jose State. But with that, he, uh, had they gone to a bowl game, I would have put him, he would have been my spot no matter what. He would have been, Coach of the year, but the way Harson has had to change quarterbacks this year, running game hasn't been great. Defense, besides Curtis Weaver and a few other guys, hasn't been overly amazing. It's going to be him this year because it's like the uh, Bill Belichick thing, or even like the uh, Phil Jackson in the NBA. It's like, oh yeah, they dominate, they win eighty percent of the games. We'll give it to some other coach who overachieves. It's like, is it the best coach in the best team? Which that's why Harson doesn't have a ton. He's won a lot of conference titles. I don't know how many. Whack coach of the years or even mountainous coach of the year he has. I think he has that first one when they went to the festival back with uh, two losses in the first year of the playoff era. But it's usually given to guys who overachieve or something. So I'm pretty sure it'll be it'll be Harson this year. But back to this game, like this was a fairly close. One. Like yes, 31-24. Boise got a, got out a decent amount at halftime, 24-14. But the running game was held in check. Like George Holani's played pretty well the past couple weeks. He was held in check. For majority of the game, the freshman there who could be freshman of the year could make an all conference. We do two teams, so he might he could make our second team. Go ahead and vote, and if you want to get your voice heard, go ahead and definitely do that. But he's had like three, four, three of his past five games. He had that one seventy eight versus Utah State, seventy three versus New Mexico, one twenty six versus San Jose State, four TDs versus San Jose State. Oh boy! But he uh, he was held in check, and so that went to well, you have Henderson who I said threw the ball quite well. He had. Pretty big games like Khalil Shakir had a 100-yard game on the air. But, like, overall, look at what they did. Like the defense got after Patrick O'Brien for Boise State. Five TFLs, looks like. Uh, trying to remember exactly my notes I had here of what how well they did. They got the quarterback launch, a couple of pass breakdowns. But, like, even, like, look at the CSU. Like, their side of the defense also played quite well. Like, they got to the quarterback, a couple TFLs, a couple sacks. Like I said, they held the running game in check, which is pretty, pretty surprising in this game. But it was still Boise doing things like getting the interceptions. They had to having decent field field position, like going through like the play by play. Like Rams went out, boom, touched them right away. But it, like the couple things, the two things that really hurt them was the turnovers because they had the the two interceptions in the first half that led to ten points for Boise State, 
when you can't like you can't give Boise State any type of uh, or any any team that's good, not just say Boise State, but any team that's good, you can't give them those uh, type of possessions where oh you get a short field points. I do give the Rams credit, Bobo going for it on fourth down when it's short situation. But one thing that was interesting, they're down. What's the one play I didn't like at all? It's like here's what coaches kill me, and this is something I know Matt would definitely. I'm pretty sure he'd agree with me. I won't say definitely, but pretty sure. End of the game, you kick the field goal, seven point difference. Okay, your boy, your defense stops Boise State. They do a four minute drive. They get to midfield, punt the ball. Okay, so you get the ball with about what is it here, three fifty three left in the game. So, you punt. You have first down, clearly. Gone down to right, good pass, another first down. You get Nate Craig Myers gets the ball. You you try to run. You, there's a sack. David Moe gets back there for a huge, that's a huge, that's definitely back. Could be one of the plays of the game. Seven point, you're only up by seven. On second on first, excuse me, second down, you get a huge nine-yard sack. So, it puts you, you're still in Boise territory here because you started way deep and you had a huge 41-yard pass to right. So you get to near field, it's like, all right, we got a decent chance. You're past midfield. 36, you're not kicking it. Here's the thing. You're down seven. There's no reason to kick a field goal. Like, what does it do? Because you're down seven, field goal, you're only down, you're still on four, you still need TD. So you think, okay, I'm going for a TD no matter what. Makes a lot of sense. But the sack really hurt them, put them in third and 14. You would think that it's an obvious uh, fourth down, go for it. They try to get some of the yards. They had to incomplete pass. And he decides to freaking punt. I'm like, why are you punting the ball at that point in the game? It makes zero sense. There were yeah, there's there was two minutes left in the game. Why just over two minutes? Why are you punting? All they had to do was run the ball. They did call their one timeout to try to stop it. They had left, but it's like why it makes zero sense to do it. And that's like like if you're defining but not defining Bobo in one player, one coaching call, but it's like, come on, you need a touchdown, you get the best team, you're at home. Yes, you got sacked, but you get pick up the yards and go for it. I don't care if it's fourth and fourteen. You go for it. It's like take a shot downfield. If you don't get it, they get it midfield. The game's over regardless with only one timeout. They get one first down, which they did. On, there was a third and six. Sorry, they had two. They had, uh, apologize. They had all three timeouts. I was looking at the last minute. But you think about it like, okay, maybe that's the thing. I get it. two minutes left. You have all three timeouts. Okay. You punt. Maybe we'll get the ball back. Timeout, timeout, timeout. Because think about it. Boise State's running game wasn't going extremely well. And you prove it. First down. Only one yard run. Timeout. Good. Second down. John Henderson gets three yards. Timeout. Third and six. Boise's not. They're not playing any games. First down. Nine yard pass to Khalil Shakir to ice the game. So it's like they did what they do first and second down. Boise. Boise could have easily just ran the ball. Maybe it's fourth and two. Maybe they don't get it, and they call their last timeout with say who knows one twenty left or something. What it may be, and then. That they get the ball back with a, with like a minute left, maybe I I just think just go for it because go for the end zone like not necessarily hell Mary but go for a deep pass so if it is intercepted and they'll say you make what it's like those deep plays okay we're not gonna punt it we'll start deep intercept it whatever it's like a punt I just don't get not going for it in that situation where you're down you had no momentum you had to fill goal you stopped the defense you're you kind of have things going away there was a huge sack but it's like man you gotta proceed and go forward and make a play and try to score not just give up and put the ball away because the Rams running game wasn't doing anything special. Like Patrick O'Brien did fine. Like even Warren Jackson had air quotes only 84 yards. I think that's one of his fewest outcomes of the year. Boise did a good job drop, dropping, dropping on him and covering him. But Trey McBride had over hundred yards, 11 yards a catch. There were too many things in this game where, especially at the end where Boise state 
took over where CSU didn't make the plays. Like third and six, Harson goes for it. Like third down attempts, CSU was pretty good. Went for it twice on fourth down. Like yards per play were similar. Like even though the running game wasn't great, like Boise or excuse me, CSU outgained Colorado State. I mean Boise State three oh, by thirty seven yards. They outgained them, but the two big difference was two turnovers that led to ten points. And then I say going for it or not going for it on that fourth on the punny. That was different. The Rams weren't blown out in this game. They're competitive in this game. It's back and forth game. It's fairly exciting. And Rams, Rams defense actually showed up at times and stopped, especially in that ground game. So it's like what Bubble had them in position to win. And maybe it was a, a game saving job had they got a victory. Had they won, maybe he'd stick around. It's okay, we went from three wins to five wins. We beat Boise State. We have a good quarterback at Patrick O'Brien. Whether Colin Hill can come back healthy or not from ACL, we'll see. They have like guys like Marcus uh, McElroy running the ball, who's a junior, be back. They um, have receivers like Nate Craig Myers will be back. Pretty sure, uh, what is Warren Jackson? He's senior, I believe. Okay, Warren Jackson may or may not be back. Let's say he comes back. Like They have an offense set to go, and the offense is clicking throughout the year. I know it's only 24 points, but they've shown signs of, hey, we can – they, they weren't getting the wins because part, part of it's defense, part of it's some of the coaching stuff, which is why Boba might be gone. Like, the last three games were tough. Air Force, Wyoming, Boise State, but they were close to Boise State, seven-point game, Wyoming, 10 points. Air Force a little bit out of hand, 38-21, but they had chances to get in the, to especially win the Boise State game, and they didn't take advantage over, and their miscues were the reason they lost, too. So that's how that ended up that game, the uh, 31-24, CSU losing to Boise State, and now Broncos play Hawaii next week hosting the Mount was title game. That was a Friday night game, if you're wondering. So everything on Saturday, or excuse me, that's Friday afternoon, actually, 1.30 uh, Mountain Time. So let's go to Saturday for a Mountain West, rest of the Mountain West slate here. We had a handful of games. We had a bunch more. So Air Force and Wyoming. Here's the thing. With the biggest shock in that game, hello, Tyler Vanderwall coming in to play, starting. They end up losing 20-6 Wyoming, but Vanderwall was a, shocked, a shocker to see starting that game. He's injured, thought he's out for the year. And you could tell he wasn't his own self because uh, Levi Williams came in late. Um, well, not not shocking. Sorry, I miss misspoke there. Sean Chambers who was out. So Tyler Vanderwall got to start. I, I don't know why I got that guy mixed up just now. Hey, blame me like I did last week where I didn't do where I met made a little miscue there as well. But Vanderwall, I guess, slightly getting surprising with the start because uh, Levi played pretty well. They split the they split carries and split reps and split passes didn't go as well because uh, Vanderwall isn't the runner Sean Chambers is. Williams is a better runner. You could tell. And Vanderbilt had one run, minus 11 yards, got basically kind of got benched probably through. But with this game, it's still sticking well. I mean, their running game, Xavier Valade, who's been probably the best running back in the conference or top top three at worst, Air Force defense showed up and held him to 38 yards. You're not going to win many games when your best back gets 2.7 yards to carry and you're one of your quarterbacks, uh, leads team in rushing, and you're not an option team. Because one was fairly predictable, the type of runs, runs they want to play, that's why they only, only scored six points in the game. And they only went down the field maybe twice. Like John Harshman had that 30-yarder. But Air Force here, like, this game was a good game. This game was close. 20-6, make mistake. It was close throughout. There's no points in the first quarter. Only seven for Air Force in the second quarter there. It's only 10-0 heading into the third period. And Air Force happened to get the offensive explosion with 16 total fourth quarter points. But give it to Donald Hammond, who may have just clinched player of the year on offensively. I, I really think he may have it because everybody else – I, I don't know. I it probably could be first team quarterback, could be offensive player of the year. I don't know. My 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 vote might go to Josh Love. It might be weird. This this might be the most ironic vote if you like. Why is this guy saying this? Where I may pick Josh Love quarterback of the year, but Donald Hammond offensive player of the year. 
just just saying that's that's a little inter- interesting to do so i'll see how my vote comes out if i do that but he had another huge game to pass the ball 20 yards to play and the running game like Wyoming is good on defense their running game isn't was a running defense against a air force was stopped in place like Taven Burdell only had 47 yards. Like the long run of the night, Rimsburg had 11 yards, excuse me, 63. They only had a long of 11 yards, one touchdown. They averaged 2.9 yards per play. Like, had the one win offense been, and they had Sean Chambers, there's a decent chance he would have won the game because he would have ran the ball much, much better. Maybe Levi Williams, and who knows how that would have changed out, would swap his yards out. He ran 15 for 79, which is a ton. And oh, by the way, half came on one yard of a play. And so who knows if they had Chambers, if he'd thrown a bit more, done a bit better that way, because the Wyoming offense also had two picks, which does not help their cause at all. So when you look at that, like when they throw interceptions, they fumbled as well. But luckily, like in the first half, the fumble, Wyoming had to lay the points, but the both interceptions Wyoming had, led to six points on the game, two field goals. So it wasn't a lot. That wouldn't have been a difference like maybe the CSU game, but they give up points on drives they had. Say instead of field goals, you go down and score a touchdown and field goal, like say there's no field goal, or who knows, maybe there's still a field goal because of the next possession, but say Wyoming gets two touchdowns, that's 20 points right there, 20-20. So part of it is, is them just offense kind of going kaput. It gets the Air Force defense, which surprised a lot of people for what they can do throughout the year, slow down the running game, and third down conversions for Wyoming were bad, 4 of 12. They, uh, here's a great stat in the game. Air Force averaged 20 yard, 20.4 yards per pass attempt. Uh, Wyoming, 6.2. And we know Air Force passing is a bit different, but you get that huge difference there. Penalties are basically the same, but you're minus two turnover margin. And here's the thing, too. It wasn't like Air Force clung onto the ball forever. Time of possession was basically 32, 33 minutes to 20, 27 minutes. Or 20, uh, yeah, 27 minutes. It was extremely close in time of possession. What it came down to is Wyoming's offense couldn't make plays. They couldn't run the ball if they wanted to, even though Chambers did okay. It could tell on fourth, third down, fourth, twelve, and that's kind of it. And like, and it, I tell you so, folks. Air Force, my preseason pick, I'll glow it a little bit. Ten wins, I said. They got ten wins on the year. Ten, ten and two. Wyoming seven and five, probably about where I think where people had them. Like the only games lost, Boise and the Navy, and. That's it. So they had some pretty. They had a pretty good year. We'll see what bowl game they go to. Could be the cheese if they're ranked twenty five. Which first off, congrats for them. It's been almost a decade since they've been ranked. They could go to the cheese bowl, play a. Uh, I want to say a maybe a big. I forget what I picked. And I think I had Kansas State, but Armed Forces Bowl probably want them as well. I could see a cheese the bowl because I don't see there being enough either. Uh, like say the Pac twelve gets uh, Utah in the playoff and Oregon goes to the Rose Bowl or even Oregon Rose and Utah Cotton Bowl. If there's something like that, that could open up a spot there. Big 12 gets a couple extra teams in there. That could kick one of those teams out, but there's a chance they could play K-State, which would be okay team. But going to achieve the ball, better payout, better visibility for a bowl game. But we know how the Armed Forces Bowl would want that Armed Force team in there in Air Force. So that's how that game turned out. Wyoming 7-5, and five, Air Force 10-2. and two. And then we get this next game. Okay, the score is probably never going to be remembered. 33-30. Because you know how it's not remembered? I put out some tweets about this game, and Matt helped me out and deleted one or two. I'm like, hey, you put the wrong team or put something correctly. 33-30. Checks notes. Yes, UNLV wins on a walk, on a basically overtime touchdown pass to win 33-30. Also, Tony Sanchez's last game in Reno, the cannon stays, stays red. However, here's what, how the game turned out. Overtime happened, touchdown, fight breaks out. 
Like, that fight's going to overshadow Carson Strong's best performance of the year, 351 yards. Or Charles Williams having an 80-yard run in 138 total yards. Or Steve Jenkins, two touchdowns, 140 in the game-winning play. Or Elijah Hooks, who had 12 for 151 in the air. Like, what's going to be remembered is, oh, hey, there's a fight and it broke out in the end of the end zone. And here's what we basically know what happened. Like, look at the video. I took a video, or me, I posted a video, wrote an article, somebody on... Twitter there took a pretty good video. Also got the game coverage as well. There's some video there where they kind of get into it. But when you look at it, the touchdown was scored. Steve Jenkins, you know, he gets the win. So you see Kevin Old, or excuse me, Kenan Oldblad, the UNLV quarterback, he's just kind of in the, near the area of the end zone. And if you have everybody, Tyler Bischoff, put a gif and I have the video as well. So when he can, he's in the end zone, he looks back and he says, I. I don't want to assume what he said, but something had to have been said. Had he just like turned his head and looked back, who's going to basically blindside you and tackle? And that was uh, Austin Arnold. He's got sucker punch from behind, taken to the ground. Like he looks back, but also it doesn't help either. When I, when you watch the game footage of like the bro- broadcast of the AT and T, they show a UNLV player going up and down the sideline, which is like why are you going up and down the sideline, kind of taunting the fans after you get the win. Dude, UNLV, you are sitting at freaking four and eight. It's not like you the game sent you to the Cotton Bowl or something, the Mountain West title game. You're a freaking four and eight football team. You're not very good. Your coach just got fired. Why are you celebrating and taunting the fans and blowing kisses or waving to the crowd? So that was going out one end of the field. This the sucker punch from like old blood got tackled to the ground was at the other end. And going through, there's a lot of things going on, like somebody trying to use a helmet as a weapon. There was one fan who grabbed the UNLV helmet from the guy on the stand or in the stands because this fight got pushed underneath the goalpost where the game ended. A player got a – so I kind of went blow by blow. Like there's guys, kind of a scrum. There's a guy, who, number 11 for Nevada, which is tight end Noah Bean, takes – I do not know the numbers. I can't tell. Basically throws a Nevada player into the uh, wall, basically below the fans are. I think – he, I took the best still I could. Watching the video is better. He take he throws him in there. And it looks like he dives down and I don't know if he punches him or jumps on him. It kind of the video kind of goes away from that, but you can see him pushing. Then he runs in on top of him beyond that. Everybody gets stuck in that corner. There's a fan taking off a UNLV player helmet. I think it's a tight end. I'm not sure. I I don't recall exactly who it is. It's hard to tell. But then you have like guys doing that Fortnite loser dance. A UNLV player throwing a a glove in the stands, waving bye bye to the crowd. It's it was beyond ridiculous. There's gonna be some sort of suspension, something going on. Then there's like somebody trying to use a helmet as a weapon from Nevada Sportsnet, reading what they've done on this thing. But it's like the game's over. It sucks because the game was a pretty good game, 33-30 overtime game, in a rivalry game as well. And it's like, why did it have to come down to this, to where somebody got hot headed? Who knows? Like whatever Oblad said, it couldn't be. I don't. Whatever it would have said. Odds of it being as bad as deserve of getting him walking away, then getting taken to the ground. I don't know what could be said be, to make it worth that. I am not going to speculate what he said or anything, but there was something that was said, and maybe that guy thought that was the case that he should go after him. But uh, I honestly don't know why that would have turned in that mess. And then the big melee mess, and nobody's talking about the like even me here, like even Ken, like the game. Ken Oldblad had a pretty good game: three TDs, two twenty nine. Charles Williams finally showed up. Like I said, Steve Jen- Jenkins had a huge game. Like, it sucks that we're talking about the fight, not the game itself. And, like, look at Jenkins. He had his best game of the year by far. Had his only two touchdowns of the year. Had over a third of his yards in one game. His matchup. 
And I guess we go through the game itself. You this first of all, this game should never have been this position as we talk about that part. 17-0. UNLV right races out to a huge lead. Field goal. Nevada misses touchdown. That 80 yard run was a TD run. But Charles Williams, another quick score for play drive. They scored. They're up 24 13 and a half. They're up 17 0, 24 13 and a half. And then they kind of blew it. They give it up on downs where Nevada doesn't score. But like Nevada's being aggressive, but ended up being touchdowns in the second half and, and only a uh, three points for you. Yeah, three points for you for UNLV the whole second half. Like they were in. I don't know what they're doing, prevent mode or what they're doing, but they they had the game in hand, but they were outscored, they outscored twenty seven to ten from the second quarter on. So this game should never have got to that point for overtime, but there's just times where three and out, no yards, like multiple three and outs in that fourth quarter did not help. Excuse me, help their cause, and so goes overtime. UNLV wins, but I don't know. And as for the UNLV head coach. Um, Tony Sanchez is out. Matt put a little wish list out there. Not necessarily maybe the favorites, kind of outside the box. One outside the box name out, recall from Mitzah Matt's piece, but Jim Mora, former UCLA head coach, um, NFL head coach, uh, that type of guy doing stuff with, uh, I think he's with ESPN or Pac-12 Network. I don't recall at the moment, but his name kind of popped up. Dealing with UNLV, like it's kind of the same with CSU. They're going to have um, offensive back like, okay, I've said it before, like what's um, – yeah, Seattle, Atlanta, or NFL. Sorry, that's what he's up to. Um, but like same as CSU, like Armani Rogers not gonna be back. He's, if he comes back, he's not gonna be the starter. Kenny Olblad's gonna be back. You would think uh, maybe Charles Williams will be back. Tyler Collins, wide receiver, he kind of shut down in the year. But like Steve Jenkins, you have him having a big game of enough talent on offense. Like Steve Jenkins is only a freshman, so. I don't know how many games he played. Maybe it's a redshirt thing where, okay, go out there and play. But let's just say Charles Williams does come back because he's only a junior this year. Like, there's plenty of offense to like about this team. Going into the new Raider Stadium, it's going to be something to look out for. It's like, okay, what coach are we going to bring in? But there hasn't been any updates. Uh, oh, here's the biggest update, which probably make UNLV fans cringe. And if Matt were here, I'd, be, I'd love to have him talk about it. Former Fresno State and current Cal at D.C., Tim Druder, was what was on on campus, not just Johnny, seen on campus touring the facilities. If Tim Deruta, if you fire Tony Sanchez for Tim Deruta, holy crap, I don't know what to tell you, Rebels. It's like the Francis, the AD, you cannot hire Tim Deruta. It's like if you want to make a move, that's your move? Yes, they brought in TJ Olsenberger for basketball. It's so early to see what he's doing. They haven't gotten the wins, but they've been competitive against big-time opponents. But if they get freaking Tim Drew to be the head coach, oh, man. It's like, I know the defense isn't great, but that's not what you want. Like, he wasn't great at Fresno State. He had a blip of a decent success there, but there's no reason he should be the head coach. And that was the only name that was put out there by the Reno Gazette Journal. So we'll see what they do. But, it's again, this is Sunday night. So by the time you listen to this, if you listen to it Monday afternoon, maybe even Tuesday, you're a late listener to our podcast for whatever reason. But... If you got a, um, it's just, oh man, if that's your pick and that's you go with, man, I, I don't, I don't have to tell you guys, this, this cannot be the case. And so, but with, yeah, Druder walking around, it's, uh, sheesh. All right. So we'll get going. I guess one thing I did mention, which could be interesting, um, it could be either school. You have a uh, Graham Harrell, depending on what UFC does. Um, but there's a couple reports out there. Don't listen to the one that, well, there was one that said that he's out, but not out. That's a whole mess. Go read awful announcing about the uh, Maven SI thing on the report down there. It's uh, interesting to see uh, who could perceive that going wrong. But what uh, what 
I mentioned Graham Harrell. If you want to be head coach, he's at USCOC. The USCOC. Why not go to UNLV? Why not go to CSU? Bring that offense with you to that town. But there's talks now that Texas could bring him in, even if Clay Helton's gone or not gone. If he's there or not, independently of what Clay Helton's future could be, Graham Harrell could be going to Texas. So that could be put that out of the out of sight, out of mind for UNLV. But that's a name I kind of thought like hey, that could that could work out. But next game on the list, we have a bunch of games to get through here. So we'll kind of. I don't need to, you know, come on, guys. You don't need me for an hour plus, whatever. That's what we do. But when it's one person, you got to just kind of go with it and fill the flow of what you're working on. So next game is, if my schedule, if my, my handy-dandy schedule here up and going, we just talked about the fight game because, again, it was a fight, and it sucked how it turned out. Utah State and New Mexico. I joked, and I was, I was apparently, I wasn't correct in this one. That's like, watch, watch Jordan Love have, like, the game of the year. He did not have the game of the year. He didn't need to have the game of the year, but that as Aggies defense gave up 25 points in their victory, 38-25 over to Mexico. Loved it. Okay. Hit well, not okay. Three touchdowns, really good. Hey, the running game finally showed up for Gerald Bright there in Utah State, so that helped a ton. Um, and also, look at New Mexico. like they, uh, Them as well, new coach um, coming to town because Bob Davies gone. Um, they may, may be from the quarterback. Trey Hall, freshman QB out of Henderson, Texas. Got the start. He didn't throw. He didn't play extremely well. He played played fine, but actually played better than fine. Let me let me backtrack that. He did have two picks. Not helpful. Ten and twenty one for one hundred seven in the air. Not great, but two TDs. Led the team in rushing with one hundred fifteen yards. Part of it when he, Bryson Carroll was back. I don't know how healthy he was, but he only had sixty two yards. Not only, but sixty two yards. At the Lobos had a ton of big time runs. Four over twenty at least. And that was it. That's what kept it in the game. It's kind of surprising that Utah State's defense allowed that much to happen. But here's a problem: three turnovers for New Mexico. Uh, two of them were picks to DJ Williams. He picked them up. So when you kind of when you look at that part of the game, 13 points isn't that big of a difference clearly in this game. However, it was also 31 31. Excuse me, not 31 31 six to half. So Utah State kind of pulled back, brought him back up. So. Maybe that yardage by Trejo wasn't all kind of legit against Aggie defense number one. But then again, it's still the Mexico team who there's barely anybody that stands. It's senior day. Your coach is on the way out. And you still show up and do quite well. Um, the only problem, like I said, is um, picks that happen and fumbles. Like one interception, end of the game. Okay, a fumble did lead to a touchdown. That was the only turnover of the points. But like the first five or six drives for both teams, nobody was scoring, so New Mexico was hanging around. It was that second quarter where the point Utah State finally broke through with a couple touchdowns of their own. Uh, New Mexico did miss the extra – or sorry, um, extra point was missed, so it was only 10-6 to 6 at one point. But like overall, like Lobos didn't play bad. I don't care. When there are teams struggling, they're sitting at two and ten. If they put the backups in and they do well, it doesn't matter. This team needs all the confidence they get for Lobos. And it'll be interesting to see what the new coach they do, do do bring in, what they can do, because Matt and I have mentioned they went super heavy Juco route. And so if new coach doesn't want to do that, they're gonna be in a world of hurt for a couple of years because the scholarships skewing to graduating a ton of guys when you bring in juniors and seniors, and that's the majority of your class. And you bring in a full slate of freshmen. Say you bring in like 22 high school guys. Say you just a couple of Juco guys to balance it out for a little bit. Like say three to five, whatever it may be. That's still going to kind of have an offset for a couple of years where you won't even have full 85 scholarships because everybody's gone who's upperclassmen for a couple of years. So it'll take a while. But also in this game, third down is also a struggle. 4-13. Mentioned the turnovers. Uh, penalties weren't great. They're minus three turnover margin. Um, but if you just stay, they're seven to five. See, year didn't go quite as well as planned. Offense did take a step back a bit. Remember, defense doesn't have David Woodward in this game, but 
they were fine. They cruised to victory. They got out ahead big and let backups play. They're going to a bowl game in a couple weeks. Gary Anderson, first year back. Probably Aggie fans would like to have a couple games back, like even looking at the Wake Forest game where those late picks and red zone miscues in that game. Like, uh, blown out by BYU doesn't help. Blown out by Boise State doesn't help. Getting blown out by the big teams. Like, all the good teams they played, they were blowout losses. Like, whatever you consider Wake, they could have won that game. It's an okay team. But LSU, yes, blown out. Best team in the country. Top two. Playoff team. Air Force, the one score seven points. Lose by 24. Get blown out by Boise State. Blown out by BYU, who is not a great team, but they're still seven same wins as uh, Utah State, and they crushed them 42-14. So when they're playing teams that are pretty good, they did not win outside of Wyoming where they won 28-21. So that's all I got for that game. Let's move on to the next one. We have, oh, man. If you were, if you want a punishment, if you said, hey, if you have something, like, all right, I got a punish for you. You're in trouble, buddy. Force them. Go find the replay. Have them watch BYU-San Diego State. And everybody, Daniel and Fresno, like, hey, it's defense, thirteen to three, great defensive game. Yeah, but give me some offense. I was under the pressure. Apparently, I was wrong again. That I kind of thought with Carson Baker getting to start, first ever career start by the way at FBS level, combined with the way BYU. Sorry, actually on there, pulled Mike way. The way BYU is playing, like scoring thirty something points per game. I know, I get it. Idaho State, UMass, Liberty. They did beat BYU, or excuse me, Boise State. They did beat Utah State pretty handily. So they're playing quite well. They had Zach Wilson back, their starter, who did have 300 yards passing, but only two, had two picks. Had to throw 53 times to get there, and so that's not good. Um, San Diego State running game wasn't all there. Juwan Washington wasn't doing well, well 10 for 28, 6. Chase John, Jasmine Death, 44 yards. I guess the best player could be Jesse Matthews, who had 78 total, 78 total yards. But this game came out of the defense, man. Like, I know Curtis Weaver's, like, I'm not going to say 100% player of the year, but I'll say 99% player of the year. But when you look at when, when you look at um, Luke Barco, what he's done, he had four pass breakups. Like, Lee, he leads a conference by far in pass breakups. He's been a guy that's been all over the field. Like, he may not have the numbers. He had four, sat, four tackles, one TFL. Like, he's really good. But with him, like, how do you turn? And he also, here's the thing, too, has eight picks on the year. And so it's, um, let me see here, interceptions. Like, yeah, he has eight on the year, no touchdowns that. But, like, he has been, we had, I think he had three in one game, I want to say, whatever it may be. But he is really, really good. Like, really quick. Pass defense, really quick. He leads the league 24. Pass breakups, 16 as well. So, like, overall, his numbers are pretty good. Like, eight picks, like, that's an area where they're, I'm not going to make the argument. He also had 51 tackles. That's also quite solid. He had a couple, five TFLs as a, Defensive back and and well, half a sec. I thought I had more than half a sec. So I'm clicking through CFB stats. Like there could be an argument to be made that he could be the best defender in the league. I don't think he'll get it because what Weaver has done, and it's not just because Weaver has a sack record for the all-time conference. Like his dominance overall, his 13 and a half sacks crushes Don Peterson who has eight. So it's like the difference. I know the eight. You'd say eight picks. Hey, that dominates anything over anybody else. It does. And you go to. Um, Sorry, not T- uh, TFLC is 17. I know that you have Rashard Jackson there. You know, Don Peterson's pretty close. I think it'll be Weaver overall, but I, hey, you can call me whatever you want, but I think uh, if, if we can look at all the votes, I will bet this on our staff when we do our staff voting, it will not be, I don't think it'll be unanimous player of the year for defense. I'm not saying Luke Barker would get it, but if you look at a couple guys who could be in there, he is clearly one that could be in there. If you look at anybody else, it might be like Don Peterson. Maybe that's a stretch, 
But like he's right there, number two in TFLs and sacks. Like he's right there as well. He's behind Weaver, but clearly I can see Weaver better than Don Peterson. When you look at like total tackles, you have 119 from Elijah Halliburton from Wyoming. That's pretty good, nearly 10 a game. You have Justin, um, excuse me, Ethan Aguayu from San Jose State, tw- almost 12 tackles a game. Had David Woodward played all season, he was at 13 tackles per game. So who knows if he kept it up when he would have done. But I'm pretty sure it'll be Weaver. But Luke Barco has a chance to be number one, number two for that type of for that list. So and clearly they'll be first team guys. But this game itself, like it was bloody awful to watch. 13 to three, no offense, pass, no nothing. Oh, it was just. It wasn't good defense either. It's like, well, no, I can't say it's not good defense, but there's times where it's like punt, 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 field goal, interception, turnover and downs, turnover and downs, punt, 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 finally get a touch at the end of the half. Like, that was the big thing. San Diego State got good field position after the punt to the 39-yard line of their own. They went down, like, Keegan Williams didn't do well, lost a yard. Carson Baker made a couple completions to move the ball down the field. They did get the get they did get the to the end zone when the 25-yard touchdown pass, so there was that. But I'm not saying but, but like missed field goals by BYU. Like here's okay. Here's one thing on on harp on this game, and like it's against BYU, so you guys can cheer if you want because hey, BYU whatever it may be. Um, also, this win, as much as Aztec fans think it's a rivalry, it's not really a rivalry. BYU's dominated this <laughs> series going back to the whack days. It's been all BYU for a majority of the time. But here's what I do not get: this game. This game, oh my gosh, the end of it just, uh, I clearly don't get what head coach Kalani Sataki was doing. Aztecs are using their timeouts just in case. They used one in there. So it's 13 to 3. There's 337 left. BYU's at their own four yard line. So they have a ways to go, and they're down 10. They actually drive the ball. Like, this is like the one drive where San Diego, San Diego State's defense, like, was not very good. Like, out of all the drives, I believe it was, the, if I'm correct in here, the only double-digit drive BYU had all game. And this was a, yes, it is correct, a 16, or sorry, they had two. They had a 15-yard, 15 drive earlier. Like, Essex did well. They forced a fumble, but didn't score points on it. Missed field goal earlier. They, whatever, made another field goal. The pick, punt, whatever, for this team. End of the game was kind of sloppy by BYU side more specifically. But this is their only second big drive of the game. They go all the way downfield. They had a big pass play, a talent strong way to get them a first down over a 20-yarder. There's a, um, see, moving the ball, moving the ball. Going to rob me, got a 10-yard play. So they keep moving. Like, they're moving the ball, second down, third down. Oh, get a first down. Good job. They converted a fourth and six to keep the drive alive on that pass. They're going to rob me. And so, again, you're down 10. Yes, you go to the end zone, you're not getting There's 12 seconds left in the game. Okay, clearly not much time for anything to get done. I th- I don't I think BYU's out of timeouts at the time. So twelve seconds left, fourth and goal at the nine. Okay, all right. You're down ten. Okay, you kick the field goal, which they did. They missed. So let's just say they make the field goal, thirteen to six. You're down seven. You still need a touchdown. They'll say there's a field goal. Twelve seconds left. The onside kick. Say they get it. There's nine seconds left. They run. They get the ball. Say at the forty yard line or whatever. Maybe midfield. Let's just say midfield. You have two plays. So you get a. You get lucky, you're at a 30-yard play. You have 30-yard for a touchdown. That's what we have to do. You move the ball 20-yard pass, great. One last, basically, Hail Mary. Why not? <laughs> Maybe in the same situation regardless, why not go for a touchdown? You're at the 9-yard line. You get the touchdown, the 13-10. to 10, You get down to a kick. You still have those same two plays, but you don't need to go as far for the points. 
I do not. I have no clue why that play was called. It's like they give up. Like, oh, we're down. Let's just get some points. Blah, 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 whatever. That was weird play calling. It's like me and Matt would say, like, well, we kind of disagree sometimes with being aggressiveness and going for it. But when you're in a situation like that, there's not much time left. You think about the clock. It's like if you're playing Madden or and when NCAA was around, like you go for the touchdown, onside kick, you only need say the ball the ball goes ten yards, you get it, you midfield, you get go to the thirty, you kick a forty something yarder. I get it, their field goal I don't know, I don't know if I get it, because their field goal unit was bad, missed two in the game. But this is a defensive slugfest, and Aztecs prevailed. And good for Carson Baker for his first start. Played kinda what um Ryan Agnew would have done. His feet clearly aren't the same. He did run eight times, seven yards. 19-24 efficient, 172, okay, and a TD. But the big thing, again, was the defense. And he he didn't make mistakes, and the defense stopped the BYU and forced him to errors. But that last possession for BYU was, oh, geez, I don't know what he was thinking. All right, next game. A little bit kind of exciting. Low scoring, but still fairly exciting. 17-16, San Jose State gets the Valley Trophy. They scored seven in the fourth quarter to get to victory. This game, like Fresno, you're, Fresno looked good. Like, watch this game. Like, hey, here's the Fresno State team. I wanted to see part of the year. Like, the first little bit, they were moving the ball. Ronnie Rivers had freaking 177 on the ground. Like, he was torching. They finally, me and Matt always suggest, are they going to give him the ball ever? He had, like, eight carries one game, six carries here. Looks like um, they, <laughs> Jeff Tedford's like, oh, I guess I'll give the ball, Ronnie. And look what he does. He also led the team in receiving. So he had over 200, what, 240 total yards, one touchdown on the ground, a couple big plays. Like, Jorge Reina did get hurt, and I was arguing with some guy on Twitter, like, oh, it's not just Jorge Reina. This would have game proved me wrong if this is the only game you watch for San Jose or Fresno State because he looked bad. He had a bad pick. He was making bad throws. He left with the injured hand. They brought up Ben Woodward to see Woolrich, who did just okay. But the Fresno State defense did pretty good in this game. Like, they held Josh left to under 300 yards. Running game was okay for San Jose State. John Packard was better games of the year. Then you look at Trey Walker had the yards, no touchdown, had a big 50-yarder, nearly scored on that one. But, like, when you, go, when you dig deeper and, like, okay, why did Fresno lose and San Jose State win? We kind of look at the uh, team stats overall. You had, like, time possession was even. Fresno was minus one, doesn't help. Penalties favored Fresno State. It's kind of the total yards, like, is pretty even, like, for the most part. But here's the big thing. I'm looking. I'd circle right now and put on the big screen. Fresno State, one of 12 on third downs. You can, and they were only lost 17-16. You go one for 12 on third down, you should never win the game. It's not like San Jose State was better 5 of 15, but one of 12 on third down is beyond ridiculous. Because And think about it too, like San Jose, and I, if I recall, that didn't come until their first conversion was, I want to say the fourth quarter. Just watching a couple games at once, so I didn't have the sound on for the whole time. But I want to say it was the fourth quarter where they, or they decide, or not decide, but where they actually converted the third down. But one time out of the whole game. And this game, like, it's not like in the fourth quarter, Fresno had their chance. Like, both teams, like, second half, it was 16-10, to 10, right, out of the, right out of the gate. First possession for San Jose State. On off, defense, they stopped Fresno. They go down the score, 80-something yards for a touchdown, a, a Josh Love run. We walked in. Then you had punt, like, five plays, Fresno punt. Three plays, San Jose punt, punt, punt. All these drives, none of them had more than five plays. And then San Jose State tried to mix it up, went for it, didn't get it more than one, which is right, move it to 37. So, like, they couldn't get it, they couldn't get it, couldn't get it. Like, nobody scoring. And then Fresno punted again. Like, the second half of Fresno was just garbage. They had, they punted every single possession in the second half. Every single, yes, a double ticket, every single one. 
except for sorry downs when when Fresno San Jose State went the full 87 yards and had the uh, John Packer first and goal run, and then you had the final plays of the game. You had a Woolridge pass the ball good. He ran the ball like Woolridge actually moved them down the field. Time was of the essence, but fourth and six. Well, first of all, third and five. Ronnie, they have like some screen or swing to Ronnie Rivers, which is minus one. It's like oh, great, good for that. Fourth and six, pass broken up by who we mentioned before, Ethan Aguayo. So Fresno's like their second half was just dreadful. Like there's no reason, and also we didn't mention here, Fresno even had safety on Josh Levin end zone, so they're up sixteen to three and a half. They scored no points in the second half. Second half was awful. They couldn't move the ball. They I know Ronnie Rivers had a big game, but I'm like looking what they did, giving him the ball in the second half, he got it a decent amount of times, but they just could not break through. And to give credit to that Spartans defense that finished five and seven. Not that Fresno State's offense is amazing, but they just Fresno's second half. What am I gonna say? It's just bad. One and twelve on third down, you're not gonna win any games that were doing that. And they should they could have done that and won the game, but I guess they could have, but if they like seriously, had they gotten in that second half, let's just say they get two first downs on third down. Say convert. See, instead of having all these three downs, because every possession, I'm looking real quick, they had one, two, three possessions, not including the finals of the game, three possessions in the second half that was more than three plays. was not a three and out. And they were five and six plays, respectively. And so, the de- give credit to the first defense. They did all they could. Like, there was the one touchdown... They gave up two in the, whole, in the whole second half. Not many. That's all they gave up. But Fresno's offense, you got to do something, man. I don't know what they're going to do this next year. Like, Rain is not the guy. He's got Woolridge back there. I believe Rivers, what is he? Is he a junior? As I'm talking to myself, junior, senior. Let me double check here. But the guy who told me, like, hey, it's not the quarterback. It's not, but the offensive line wasn't helping him either. Yeah, Ronnie Rivers is a junior. So if he's back, there's some receivers coming back possibly. Like, I know Jared Rice didn't have a great year at tight end, but. Like when when Ben Woolridge is in, like I remember last week he came in substitute a one play touchdown. He's a freshman. He'll probably be the starter going forward next year. Um, defense did take a step back, but defense wasn't bad. Just not. It was just below average when it was. Here's the thing: when defense was best in the conference last year, and then they go to seven in most statistical categories, it's it's a huge drop off. So, congrats to Spartans for the win. Fresno, we'll see what happens. It's a. Uh, it, I know Matt say it's not what Tim Druder did. It's not those one win seasons, two win seasons, where it's just dreadful and awful to watch. Four and eight wasn't great, but it's it's still better than that. Not that that's a big consolation prize, but it's uh, something to look at where there's reason to be optimistic for who you have back and for what's going on. All right, next and final game. This was the late, 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 late Hawaii game. 12.30 a.m. on East Coast, 7.30 in Hawaii if you watched it. I guess I want to get that last quadruple header at CBS Sports Network. Hawaii wins 52-31, and Hawaii does play Boise next week. They're already a two-touchdown underdog going into that game. So we always wonder who's going to start. Well, we actually found out Cole McDonald was sick during the week. Didn't show on the field when he played. So they went with Shavon Cordero, Cordero which was um, obviously Rolo's pick. And this is like the only time where a two-quarterback system has worked reasonably well. Because Hawaii's finished 9-4, a 52-31, Crazy thing in this game, watching this game, first play from scrimmage. Okay, you know Army. Okay, triple option running the ball, which they did. First play, down the field pass for, I think, a 40, what was it, a nearly a touchdown. It was a 69-yard touchdown, or not touchdown, but a 69-yard pass to start the game. They ended up getting a touchdown a couple plays later. It's like, holy crap, why? Pay attention. First play. Um, but a couple things that did help out uh, 
Hawaii, like their defense showed up. They had an interception, which led to a touchdown. Turnover on downs against Army, which led to a touchdown. They had a fourth and two at their own 33, which is pretty bold for Army to do that, but we like bold here. And then second half, like all touchdowns, the turnover on downs went to a touchdown. A pick six for Hawaii, which was a one of the plays of the year. Officially 100 yards, I think is inside the end zone, maybe 101. But inside, like pick six, like there have been – Two, multiple 90 plus yard touchdown returns off interceptions to the Mountain West. Two by Air Force, one by Hawaii, or yeah, one by Hawaii. But like, if you want to say this game, yeah, 52 31, basically 21 points came off of turnovers. Or or I'll say turnovers, I'll, I'll say fourth down is a turnover if you don't get it. So three turnovers by basically giving the ball up on the, on the next play. That's the best way to put it. 21 points for Hawaii. That's the difference. They win by 21 points, 52 31. So that's a pretty big deal for a defense that been okay like they held army to fourth four and 13 on third down more importantly one of four on fourth downs plus two in turnover margins and heck what else we could say honestly well, hawaii had a perfect game i i'd say double check real quick but not a perfect game but no picks five touchdown passes because you know shavon cordero was only seven to 12 one and i got pulled got taken out i was bringing cole mcdonald for three touchdowns 250 they combined like if they were one quarterback they'd be player of the year or off of qb1 like when we do our again, go back if you want to check out or vote in our Mountain West Wire postseason awards. I don't know how you can rate like Cole McDonald or Shavon Cordero, like how you can rate rate them. Maybe Cole McDonald, but the quarterback, like I never got to my post, so I kinda of regret that. Maybe I can do it this week. I'll think about it if I have time. But basically, maybe a fewer games I could. Nine of the twelve quarterbacks played all year. I mean, excuse me, did not play all year. Like got injured or pulled or split time. Jorge Reina for 90, 98% injured and very little in that last game. Josh Love. And then uh, even Donald Hammond, who he missed a little bit of time, didn't play the full game. You're looking at Ryan Agnew, and he eventually missed the last game of the season. So basically two guys played all year. It's like, who can you give the quarterback to? It's like, that's why I'm saying, like, Josh Love, Donald Hammond probably will be in the mix too. Like, if you're to pick up the two Hawaii guys, probably Cole McDonald for that because he's played more than Shavon Cordero. But like this game, Miles Reed showed up for 9.2 yards rushing on the game. But a big thing, while Army had, like Army did what they need to do. They tried to be too cute and pass a lot. Because I'm looking like typically when you see the triple option offense, it's don't give up big plays, don't give up yards. Hawaii gave up all of that. 411 yards, 6.5 yards per play, 4 TDs. And if I'm looking right here, I'm only looking at the longs. They had, of their long runs, 4 were 30 or more yards. Like, the Hawaii's defense was winning because Air Army decided to pass the ball a couple times. And all, both of those turned into points. So, like, this is a, if you watch data play to watch the game, I admit I did not watch the whole game. I watched the highlights this morning. It was just it was getting too late. Even though me in the mountain time zone wasn't super late, it was still a 10.30 kick. It's just a long day of watching stuff. Like I'm like, I don't want to stay up till 2 a.m. watching games sometimes. I know I should. I should have marched through and soldiered on to get to watch the entire game. But like overall, like this game was it was a good matchup. It was a good one for Hawaii to get nine and four. Army, we knew kind of the front beginning of the year was kind of fake. Their schedule wasn't great. Their claim to fame this year is beating all excuse me, not beating almost beating Michigan. They can't be bowl eligible. They got Navy in a couple weeks. So we'll see how everything turns out for Everybody, like, kind of basically overall for Hawaii. They got the Boise game next week. 9-4, like, this game, watch the condensed game, like, Jared Smart, Cedric Bird. Here's the thing about this game next week. Like, I'll say it again. Like, people can say I'm just posturing or not, but I know Hawaii and Boise already played. 
Hawaii is a, they're a good team. Nine wins, that's great for them. Here's the thing, though. If their offense clicks as what it could be, I'm going to give them a chance to beat Boise State. I'm not going to predict them to win, but I would not be sure. What, would it, what it would take, which I'm going to give away my preview here, but hey, it's in the, the show. I did almost go an hour for you folks solo, so give me some credit here with barely any pausing for, as I look to my side, I have my water here. I didn't drink all night. I take my sip there, folks. But I'm, I'm not kidding. If Hawaii can play, basically Hawaii would have to play a perfect game. Like if they had this, if they had this stat line, and as one quarterback, they go 26 of 41, 359, five TDs. I could see them beating Boise State if that happens. However, that there's a lot to happen if that's going to be the case. Like, can you block David Moa? Can you block Curtis Weaver? Can the running game do do just enough to keep the ball on your side of the keep the ball with Hawaii? Like, if the, if that side like comes out to that, I would not be shocked if Hawaii wins the game. I'm not going to predict them to win. I don't think they'll win. But if they do win, I can come up with reasons why they could beat Boise State. But it's going to take a lot. So, well, I guess that's our show tonight. I guess uh, go slow here. We'll have. So, th- here's what's kind of going this week. Football is, where's my sad emoji, is coming to to an end, close to an end. We'll have plenty of football offseason stuff, but that's n- neither here nor there. So, it's next week, what we're going to do, ever Hawaii guys, Boise guys, myself and Matt be involved. Like, we'll do some round tables. We'll do some more preview type stuff than we do because when we don't have 12, um, 12 teams playing, we don't have everybody going in at it once. Where all these games, so it kind of takes my time and other writers' time to get or the great stuff they put out there. But we can kind of put pump more content specifically into this. So we'll do player rankings. We'll do advantages on positions. We'll do updated odds posts. We'll have a couple podcasts throughout the week at least. Bare minimum, the one with me and Matt, we do a preview. Me and Raj will do our playoff ranking. We'll get some Boise Hawaii talk. Maybe another. I'm trying to maybe think of a guy I know. We'll talk about the American Mountain West thing. Like, how's that going to turn out? on the website and on the podcast. I know a guy who might be able to hop on with us this week. I'm going to effort him. I know he's super busy with the coaching changes going on. We'll have coaching stuff throughout the week. So we'll have plenty of stuff for the Hawaii-Boise State game. Bowl stuff, there could be bowl announcements coming through. I don't think the Mountain West will make any announcement yet. There could be opponents on that side, so look for that because what the Mountain West has to wait for is does Boise get to the Cotton Bowl? So that's the only thing we're waiting for. So don't there will be zero bowl announcements for the Mountain West this week unless it's, hey, New Mexico Bowl invites the other conference. There's Arizona Bowl invites whoever from from the Sun Belt. So we've got all that going out. So we appreciate everyone. Like, oh, you're seriously. We had record numbers on the site this year. We've already passed last year's numbers. We're only in December. And we still have potential New Year's Six game, a championship game, which should be interesting. Like the quarterback thing. Who the heck starting quarterback? No clue for either team. We just know Jalen Henderson has done quite well in Hawaii. Done fine, pretty fine with McDonald and Cordero. So look for all that stuff coming out. A roundtable stuff. There'll be plenty to do if you if you're sick of this game and your team's not involved. We got coaching news coming up. We'll do we'll do season retrospectives type stuff like best moments, best games, best wins, countdown stuff here. Go back and look at how bad me, Matt, and others did on our projections for some of these teams. I will say, Air Force ten to two nailed it. Just saying, that was my call early on. So, well, that's my short way of saying we have a lot more to go. And also, these football podcasts will not stop in the off season. Me and Matt will crank out. Um, Plan is like last year, basically once a week. There might be a week here or there we don't have it, but maybe we'll still get some in there. And so, but keep subscribing to our feed over at iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can find us on anchor.fm, like I like to say, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can find us, Spotify, we'll have podcasts for this, we'll have basketball, 
So, so keep on the feed if you only listen, listen. Hey, if you only listen to us, check out the website as well, folks. We got stuff over there too. But that's it for today. MWR.com, and we'll see you in a couple days, folks.